today I want to continue in this series that we started. This is week three on the wonderful name of Jesus. And we've been talking about the greatness of his name. And today I want to begin to talk about trusting in his name. You know, it's one thing to know that all authority has been given to Jesus in heaven, on earth, under the earth. And then he turned right around and he gave us that authority. When he went to heaven, he delegated that authority to the church. God wants you to have authority in your life. You'll need it to take authority over the enemy. You'll need it to walk in victory. You'll need it. But here's the thing. That name could hold all authority, but unless you trust him, you won't tap into any of that, right? So we want to talk a little bit about that today. Trusting in the name of Jesus. God wants you to trust. He wants you to have all of your trust in him. He wants you dependent upon him and nothing else. And I'm telling you, that is the doorway into life. So Philippians chapter 2, we'll look at verse 9. This is a foundational scripture for this series. It says in Philippians 2.9, Wherefore God also hath, so that's, this is something that's happened in the past, hath highly exalted him. So 2,000 years ago, God highly exalted Jesus and gave him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. Of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. In other words, everything must bow to the name of Jesus. If you're in a battle right now, whatever is coming against you has to bow to the name of Jesus. It says, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. But here's the thing. We have to walk in and have a revelation of the name of Jesus. Remember, we don't learn the Bible. So it's funny. You start reading the Bible. And remember, don't, don't because it's a book... Don't start reading in the beginning. Genesis is pretty good, actually. But man, if you don't understand New Testament principles, you'll probably die in Leviticus. <laughs> and you don't want that, right? So we want to read the Old Testament under the light of New Testament truth. So you want to, you know, I would encourage you, if you want to start reading the Bible, start in 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. Because you need a revelation of God's love for you. Go back to the Gospel of John. And then read through the New Testament. Learn some of the principles. If you notice, when we go to the Old Testament, doesn't God open up the Old Testament? Because you see it under New Testament truth. You could see all those faith principles. But the, the most important thing is you got to realize that you don't learn the Bible. You discern the Bible. Have you ever met anybody who has spent their life learning the Bible? Wow, dry, lifeless, religious many times, right? But boy, when you discern, what the word discern means is to see and know. 
See, God, when you read the Bible, your mind will be going, I don't even know what I'm, what, what I'm reading. That's okay. Don't worry about that. Just keep reading the Bible. Keep, keep trusting the Lord. The Holy Spirit's down on the inside of your spirit, and he's teaching your spirit the word of God. All of a sudden, when it gets to a certain point, this is what happens. So you've heard me say this a few times. So words are containers, they contain thoughts. So what happens if this is a word from God, right? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That word, those words are containers and they contain thoughts. So like the water would be the thought. So what happens is as you read the word of God and you read it with an attitude that I am putting God's word above everything else in my life. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I, don't have to, I don't have to understand it right now. I'm just making a decision. God, you're first. So now I'm positioned to actually hear the word instead of just listen to it. A lot of times you listen to the word for what it can do for you, and you'll get some good stuff, because, but God will want you to grow through that to the point now where now you're not reading the word just for you. You're reading the word to know him. Because that's when it really gets good. But what happens is now, down on the inside of you, the Holy Spirit will open up the word. The Bible says in the book of Psalms, the entrance of God's word. And that word entrance in the Hebrew language means the opening of God's word brings light. So what happens when the Holy Spirit opens God's word on the inside of you, light comes. Have you ever read a scripture and then all of a sudden, something you've read a lot, all of a sudden you're like, wow. You go from, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me to, wow, I can do all things. Because you see it, you discerned it, you know it, you see and know. And that's what we do with the Word of God. Usually, if you'll make a commitment to getting in the Word of God, the first month is brutal. If you, let's say you get a, make a commitment to start reading a chapter a day, which I use the term chapter really loosely. It's like a paragraph, small one, right? But you could read stupid books and sit down and read them. But man, every, all hell does not want you to ever read the Bible because you'll find out who he is, and as you find out who he is, you'll actually find out who you are. So, but if you'll read it that first month, you'll be like, yeah, I have no idea really what I'm, what I'm reading. By the second month, and you'll, you'll probably dread it, your flesh will dread it every day. Oh, I got to read the Bible again. By the end of the first month, though, you'll start looking forward to it. You'll be like, I'm not really understanding too much, but I really am kind of looking forward to reading the word. And in that second month, all of a sudden, God seems to all of a sudden start talking to you. Well, he was talking to you all along. You're just now sensing it, right? By the end of the second month, you're starting to understand some things. You're looking forward to it. By the end of the third month, you'll never put the word down again. It'll become first in your life, and, and everything will be talking to you about God. Everything. It's just amazing. So I want to encourage you to start that process. So we discern the word of God. We have to have a revelation knowledge of the name of Jesus. 
The name of Jesus is above everything that we will ever face in life. It is bigger than anything you're facing right now, bigger than anything you will ever face. It has the power to change things. It has the power of God in it to conquer things. That's what his name does because where his name is, he's there. His presence is there. Do you see that? This is so important. We made this statement from E.W. Kenyon. I love this. All he was, all he did, all he is, and all he ever will be is in that name right now. Amen. Right now. Your victory is in the name of Jesus. So in Hebrews chapter 2, it makes a great statement. In Hebrews chapter 2, in verse 14, it says, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood. We partake of flesh and blood. We were born into this world. We're, we have a body, flesh and blood. It says here, he also himself likewise took part of the same. The Bible says, and we looked last week, how Jesus humbled himself. He emptied himself of all of his godly attributes and he took upon himself the form of man. He took upon himself flesh so that he could live among us and die for our sins. He died in your place. He became a curse so that the curse of the law could not touch you. He died for your sin. Romans 8.1 says, There is therefore now. Now that Jesus has went to the cross and resurrected, there's no condemnation in me. For anyone who is in Christ. Well, what does it mean to be in Christ? Well, in the book of Romans it says, You're in Christ if so be that His Spirit dwells in you. Well, if you've accepted Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit is dwelling in you. You're in Christ. See, so many times we, we look at our behavior to find out if we're in Christ. You better be careful with that. Because you, you, you'll mess up and, or you get in a sin habit or you do some different things and you start beating yourself up. The more you beat yourself up, the more you run to sin. The more shame you walk in, the more you, it drags you back into the sin. Pretty soon here you are a born-again believer, but you don't even know who you are. You're, you think you're this lowly worm, this piece of trash. Forget all that. Let's look at the Word. The Bible says if the Holy Spirit's in you, then you're in Christ. And if you're in Christ, there's nothing that can condemn you. The sentence has already been passed. It says it right there at the beginning of Romans 8, that every one of our sins, all of our sin, was condemned in the body of Jesus on the cross. The, you know, God doesn't see you in your sin. And the reason why is because you're not in your sin. Amen. Right? He remembers your sin no more. You know why? Because there is nothing to remember. you got to know this. Because knowing, getting a revelation of what he has done, it doesn't give you a license to sin. It literally empowers you to want to know him and to walk holy before him. Because you just want to walk with him. It's life on a new level. It says, he also himself took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. That through death, 
physical death? No, we're talking spiritual death. Jesus was made to bear all of our sins so that we would be made the righteousness of God in Christ. So this is huge. He did this to destroy him that had the power of death. So the guy who had the power of death has been destroyed. So now all he, ha- all he can do is try to deceive you into letting go of who you are or get you to open the door so that he could come in and steal, kill, and destroy. He can't just kick your door down. He'll, he'll throw thoughts in your mind. He'll use people. People are never your problem. He's always your problem. Circumstances are not your problem. He is. Right? So this is why the name of Jesus is so important because he doesn't like to play by the rules, but you can make him play by the rules. The value of our authority rests on the power that is behind the authority. What value does the authority that I have in Christ have? Well, it depends on the power that's backing it. Well, what is the power? Well, only the power of God. So the Bible says, whatever you bind on this earth will be bound in heaven. In other words, I will see to it from heaven that it's bound. Whatever you loose on the earth will be loosed in heaven. You decide. Isn't that good news? You don't have to be all beaten up in life. I'm telling you, God wants you to walk from glory to glory to glory. Not buying counterfeits, not making decisions out of your flesh that lead you down a wrong way six years from now. He wants you walking. See, we're to have days of heaven on the earth, right? So there's some mainline denominations that they will quote the Lord's Prayer all day long and they'll vehemently come against healing and prosperity. And you're sitting here going, well, wait a minute, you pray every service that God, your will would be done on the earth as it is in heaven. See, the Bible doesn't talk a lot about us going to heaven, but it talks a lot about us bringing heaven to this earth to show the world who God is, that they might know him. The believer who understands that the power of God is backing him can fearlessly face anything that the enemy brings against him. So now I could love the person coming against me because they're a non-issue. I know who my enemy is. And I'm looking him right in the eye all the time saying, you're defeated. You cannot defeat me because of who I am in Christ. Isn't that good news? In Matthew 28, 18, we said this last week, Matthew 28, verse 18 says, And Jesus came and spoke unto them. Now this was after his resurrection. After his resurrection. Now he had some pretty awesome authority on the earth. But after his resurrection, he said, All power. That that Greek word, excusia, that means all delegated authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Jesus, Jesus now took the keys of death And hell, he destroyed the works of the devil. All authority had been given to him. Jesus was given all the authority back that Adam lost in the Garden of Eden. 
Now we are living in a new day. We're calling it the church age, the age of grace. God is not accounting man's sins against him right now. Although man's sin separates him from God, God is not accounting a man's sin. So now, somebody who doesn't know God, I can, I can introduce them to, to God. And God could come in and reveal and wake up that person's conscience so that they can now make a decision to give their life to him. Because I'm telling you, this, there's a lot of churches that we talk about, oh, you never got to mention, never mention hell. Don't talk about the blood. No, 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 we have to. Because hell is a real place. It was never designed for man to go there. God doesn't even send anybody there. He just honors their willingness and right to go there. But we can show the world Jesus as we allow, as, as we just live life on a God level. This is so very, very important. Now Jesus has the keys of death and hell. When he ascended into heaven, he transferred all that authority to his body, the church, on the earth. He gave you his name, and then he said, now you go in the name. You use the name to make your life line up with, with everything. You're to walk in health. You're to walk in strength. You're to walk in provision. You're to be successful and victorious in life. You're to have a sound mind. You're never to have anxiety, worry, stress, terror, all this stuff. It has no part in your life. God has given you authority. You can get it all out of your life with the name of Jesus. And then what you do is then now you're going out into the earth. They that believe in my name will lay hands on the sick. We'll preach the gospel under the anointing with his name. And that's what we do. Hallelujah. The source of our authority is found in the resurrection and exalting of Jesus Christ by God the Father. When Jesus came out of that grave, all authority. See, what am I saying? Your battle has an expiration date. The expiration date is not future. It's past. Your expiration date, your battle was ended when Jesus was on the cross and he said, it is finished. That's when your battle ended and now the victory is yours. Now your father will always cause you to triumph in, in everything. What is a triumph? That's the party after the battle. But pastor, I feel like I'm in a battle. Oh, you, yeah, but don't go by your feelings. Don't live out of your flesh. It may not look right. It may not feel right. It may not sound right. But you stand on the word of God and you'll see, you will see that the battle has already been won and the victory is yours. Our job is to rest. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Right? He makes me lay down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Right? All of these things. He restores my soul. Jesus got this authority back for us so that we would have authority in this earth. Hallelujah. What we're talking about is a throne doctrine. I said this before. 
We preach a cross doctrine. That's great. But we got to move from the cross to the throne. What Jesus is now doing in our life as our high priest, as our intercessor, as our advocate, as the head of the church. He's, he's ministering right now. He is watching over his word to perform it in your life. Colossians chapter 1, in verse 12, it says this, giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us able to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Isn't that awesome? Our Father has made us able to partake of our inheritance. How do you partake? You use the name of Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just believe I receive my healing. Father, in the name of Jesus, I bind the enemy and I shut him down in Jesus' name from destroying this area of my life. If you've messed it up, Father, I just come before you, I messed it up. I confess that before you and I repent of messing that up. Now help me to not mess that up anymore. Guess what? The doors are all shut now to the enemy. He can't get in and now God will start turning the situation. Like we talked about on Wednesday night, and, and if you weren't able to come Wednesday night, the last two Wednesdays, I would encourage you to get the, go online and listen or get the CDs about casting your care upon the Lord. Because we are to travel light. People who know you're a Christian should just be like, wow. See, what, what does the world say about Christians right now? They're so judgmental. Well, I am judgmental. I judge myself. But I'm a Christian, so I never judge others. Because I know if I judge others, then I got to be judged. And I don't want to be judged, right? When you get pulled over, like if you're driving your car and you see a Christmas tree behind you, and you look down and you're like, ooh, I was a little dyslexic, you know? It says 45 and I was going 54. Do you, do you want justice there? Or do you want mercy? Mercy, mercy, right? Well, he's the God of all mercy. I love repentance. When we see Satan, he's going to have this big flat nose. Because, man, you do stupid stuff and he's running to take you out, and then you repent and it slams the door right in his face. And God starts turning it. He'll start turning everything to your favor to line up with his word. Giving thanks to the Father, which has made us meet, which that Greek word means able to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath, past tense, delivered us from the power, the delegated influence of darkness, and has transferred us over into the kingdom of his dear Son. You're in the kingdom. And I'm telling you, you're in the kingdom. The kingdom's in you. Wherever you go, the kingdom is there. And I'm telling you, the kingdom is made to dominate everything in this world to make it line up with the kingdom. God wants your life to line up with what his word says. He has freely given you all things. And as you walk in them, it, even in one scripture, it says that your joy may be full. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 is the scripture that tells us who we are. It says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, now what does it mean to be in Christ? Can anybody tell me? 
The Spirit of God dwells in you. So if any man be in Christ, he is a what? A new creature. This means he is a new species, one that's never existed before. Now, if you look at people who are born again, who have the Spirit of God inside of them, and then you look at somebody who doesn't, we still all look human on the outside. But I'm telling you, if you can see the spirit of an individual that has not received spiritual life, they're spiritually dead. They don't look like you on the inside. Well, what the goal is, is now the Holy Spirit, as we yield our life to him, he will pull out of the inside and show on the outside who you are. And you look a lot like Jesus. All of a sudden, people who come in contact with you who maybe have done you wrong will see the unconditional love of God. They'll see you face things and be fearless because you have authority. You know you're the one with the authority. Sickness and disease is not going to take me out because I have authority over it. Poverty and lack is not going to overtake me because I have authority in it. Right? This is what we're talking about. It says here, old things are passed away. What passed away? The sin nature passed away when your old spirit was taken and, and removed. Now your new spirit can't sin, the Bible says. Well, why do I sin? I just allow my unrenewed mind to side with the sin nature in my flesh, and I live out of my flesh. Well, we don't have to do that. I still remember when the Lord told me, he said, Tony, I can't wait till you meet yourself. You're kind of like, what do you mean? Well, I know what he means now. Because I had a perception of myself one way, but as I peered into the word of God, and I'm telling you, I'm still getting the perception. It's ongoing. Because as I know him, I know who I am in him. I can see myself. If you want to, you know how you probably, I could tell uh, by how neat and clean you guys look today, how pretty you look and how handsome you look that you probably looked in a mirror this morning. You know, could you imagine if all the ladies didn't look in a mirror? There'd be lines of red and different colors everywhere, right? Guys, our hair would be all over the place. But we looked in a mirror so that we could see ourselves. Here's your mirror. If you want to see your spirit, this is how you see your spirit. As you peer into this, the Bible says you're changed. You're changed into the image of Jesus. That's God's will for your life, is that you be fashioned like unto Jesus. Could you imagine if Jesus was in your field of work right now? He would be the most successful person on the planet. No matter what he did, he would never have fear. He would never be moved by anything. He would not sit here and decide, well, i got to work 900 hours. Nope, he would speak to things and change them in his life. And the Bible says we, God's will for our life is that we be fashioned like unto him. That's, that's the road that we're talking about, guys. This is your time. This is your season. Don't let it pass you by because life is a vapor. And if you, if you want to live for yourself and try to figure it out, that's a hard road. But oh, if you just let, let it go 
and press into the Lord, you will be more disciplined. You'll be more filled with joy. You'll be fearless and courageous. You'll, you'll see things. The word will now be a lamp to your feet. It'll be a light to your path. You'll be able to love. You'll be able to, your words will have weight to where when you speak, if you know, I'm not speaking just to, to tell about people about how I feel. No, I'm speaking to put the word of God in the motion in this earth to do something. I'm acting just like my father. That's what he wants for you. In John chapter 16, we mentioned this towards the end of the service last week. In John 16, 23 and 24, it says this. And in that day, John 16, 23, and in that day, what day is he talking about? He's talking about the day that we're living in right now, the day after his resurrection. In that day, you'll ask me nothing. This word ask means you, you won't make any requests to me. Then he says this, Verily, verily, or most assuredly, I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. But it's a different word, ask. Jesus is saying, in that day after the resurrection, you're not going to ask me any more questions. Could you imagine the questions that they asked him? Right? Lord, how many times do we got to forgive somebody? Seven? No, 70 times seven. Oh, Lord, increase our faith. You can just see Jesus rolling his eyes. Well, if you had faith. Right? So, so all these things. But now he's saying, in that day you're going to make no request for me. But, it says, but he said, verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever shall ask, different word ask, whosoever shall call for, shall make a demand for, or require of my Father in my name, he will give it you. Notice you don't have to ask God to heal you. Because there's no scripture in the Bible that says God will heal you. But you can go to God in the name of Jesus and make a demand for your healing. Why? Because it's already been given to you. So if you need help in your business, your business, you don't know which direction to go. You can't go and ask God, okay, Father, I, I'm asking in the name of Jesus that you bless my business. Well, there's no scriptures that say he will bless your business. But there's a ton of them that says the blessing of the Lord rests upon you already. So now it's not a matter of me asking and begging God so that he does something for me. No, I have already been given everything. My future's not in front of me, it's within me. All my provision, all my healing, everything is within me. So everything must bow to what the Word of God says about me in Christ. So now I go, for, I go to my Father and I call for, I make a demand for, hey Father, I need my healing. I just believe, how, what does that look like? Father, in the name of Jesus, I believe that I receive my healing right now. That's, that's what that means. If I'll do that, Father, in the name of Jesus, I believe that I receive restoration in my life or in my family right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I believe that I receive provision. My provision. It's already mine because he already gave it to me. 
The Bible says if I do that in his name, the Father will give it to you. Then Jesus says in verse 24, up to now, you've asked nothing. Same word ask. You've called for, you've required, you've made a demand for nothing in my name. Then he says, ask, call for, require me, make a demand for me, and you shall receive that your joy may be full. Most Christians' joy aren't full because they, they have never received in their perception, they've never received anything they've asked God for. Why? Because we're begging God to try to do something, and we hope we're good enough. Gosh, if, I, if I'm good enough, then God's going to move. He doesn't move if you're good enough. Do you know why? Because there's nothing you could do to be good enough. But you're his, and he was good enough. So that's why you got everything. Do you see how simple this is? You didn't earn it. I think this would be a great song. You didn't earn it. You don't deserve it. But still he gives this, you know, right? He'll kick down walls and whatever. Boy, we should sing, man. It's, we should, yeah, you don't want me to sing it, Teresa. That'd be scary. Everybody should sing. Not everybody should sing with a mic. Right? Praise God. One time I was singing... And man, they forgot to mute me. And I said, and I said, I'm like, what is that? And, it, and then I'm like, oh my gosh, that was me. Yeah, praise God. I don't even know where that sound guy went. I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm just teasing, I'm teasing. So we fast forward after the resurrection, and we looked at this story about the man that at the gate beautiful in Jerusalem. It was, a, it was right, the steps walked right up to the temple. This man, his whole life begged alms. He'd never walked before. And Peter and John, he was asking, he looked at him like the, he thought they were going to give him money. And, and Peter says to him, hey, silver and gold have I none, but, but who I have... It says what I have in the King James, but if you look at the Greek, it's who I have, give I you in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. They grabbed the guy, and, they, and, and the Greek wording is as they grabbed him and were dragging him, his, his feet and ankle bones received strength, and he leaped and walked and was praising God. So then everybody is like, wow, what's going on? And then look at verse 16 of Acts chapter 3. At the end of this story, Peter says, and his name through faith in his name. Notice he didn't say the man was healed because of the power that they had as apostles. So this doctrine about how that all this stuff went away when the last apostle died, it can't be true I mean, people will say healing is not for everybody, but nobody's going to say the name went away. Nobody's going to say that faith went away. And it was, it's very clear here. It says, <laughs> And his name, through faith in his name, hath made this man strong. Faith in the name of Jesus made this man strong, whom you see and know, yea, the faith which is by him by Jesus, hath given him, the man who was just healed, this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. 
Faith in the name of Jesus will change everything in your life to line up with what God's word says. Everything. It doesn't say unless you were the one that messed it up. Thank God. In my life, I was the one that messed it up usually. And that doesn't matter. The only thing God does with, when you make a mess is he doesn't get down on you for the mess. James tells us that. You bring him the mess and go, here's the mess. And what he does, he, all, all he'll ever tell you is give it to me. Don't carry it. Let me carry it because I could fix it. Right? This is a huge thing. The name of Jesus is the key to everything. Here's a big one. You don't have to feel like the name works. You just must believe that it works. And if you believe it works, oh, you'll feel. You'll definitely feel. But feelings aren't first. You know, in 1 John chapter 4, in verse 4, 1 John 4, 4, it says, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Overcome them who? Everything in the world. Why? Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You'll never ever face anything greater than who's on the inside of you. And how you bring what's on the inside of you out is with your mouth and you speak it in the name of Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, I believe that I receive my healing. I believe that I receive strength. I believe that I receive provision. Father, in the name of Jesus, I believe that I receive peace. Fear, you gotta leave. Terror, you gotta go in Jesus' name. I bind you and I shut you down. Does that make sense? This is how you live as a child of God. The power in us is greater because of what backs the power. All of heaven, the power of God backs the power. That's why in 1 John chapter 5, in verse 4, it says, it says for whatsoever, but it's the Greek word pas, it means for whosoever is born of God overcomes the world. And that's the Greek word for the world system. This is the cool thing about the word overcomes. It's, it's literally continual present tense. If you're born of God, God says you will continually overcome anything that comes against you, basically. Why? This is the victory that overcomes the world. It's our faith. It's, it's my trust and confidence and my full persuasion that what God said is true. See, this is why I must trust him. I've got to trust in the name of Jesus. I'm here to tell you today, you can trust the name of Jesus. It's all you need. It's all you need because he is in his name. If you go down in 1 John 5, I love verse 11 to verse 15. 1 John chapter 5, verse 11 to verse 15. Now, if you'll notice today, I'm not really giving you time to look these scriptures up. I'm kind of doing that on purpose. I want to encourage you, if you really want to get this deep, go back and listen to this again with a pad and paper and with your Bible. It's really cool. I'm not easy to shut up. 
But with a computer, I'm really easy. You just hit the button, pause, and, and I stop, and, and God will give you other scriptures. The Lord wants this to be big in you. What, I, what, I'm, what I'm wanting to do today is just, the Lord said, Tony, I'm going to use you today to cultivate trust in me. So we're just, we're just, the Holy Spirit is doing a lot of things right now in your life. And what he's mainly doing is he's trying to lead you to a decision to embrace him as never before. Because he has a good future for you. 1 John chapter 5, verse 11, it says, And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He that has the Son has life. He that hath not the Son has not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. See, he said these things to people that believed on the name of the Son of God. Now, now keep going with this. That you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe. That means be firmly persuaded and have faith on the name of the Son of God. Let me read verse 13 again. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. If you look at this where it says, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God, that is not a suggestion. That is in the commanded tense in the Greek. He said, I said this stuff to you that believe on the name, so that you would believe on the name. He said the same thing twice, but he took it from a statement to a command. And if you look at the Greek language, it's a progressive thing. So I'm, because I believe on the name, he said this to me so that I could believe on the name. Well, wait a minute, I already believe on the name. No, 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 there's more. In 15 minutes, like right now, I believe on the name much more even than I did at the beginning of this service. Because as I get to know him, I, I believe on the name more and more and more. So as I believe on the name, and then verse 14, now see, when, I'm, when I believe on the name and I know I have eternal life and now I'm growing in believing on the name, now I'm ready for verse 14. This, this is what's going to be birthed out of all that. This is the confidence that I have in him. Why? Because I believe in the name. I know I have eternal life. And I'm growing and believing on the name. Now, this is the confidence that I have in him. If I ask anything according to his will, I know that I know that I know that he hears me. Isn't that good news? And if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, now check that Greek word out, whatsoever we call for, require, or make a demand for, we know that we have the, position, the, the petitions that we desired of him. This word desired 
can be translated in the Greek required of him. If you know that God hears you, because he only hears his will, then you know you already have it. Well, what if you can't see it yet? Oh, I don't have to see it to know that I have it. Well, how do you know that you have it? Well, he said it. And he can't lie and he won't lie. Right? If he showed up today and said it's Monday, all of us would be scattering. We'd be like, oh man, I got to be over here because it'd be Monday. Right? Everything he says comes to pass. He upholds everything by the word of his power. So this verse is telling me that as I make a choice to believe on the name of Jesus, to believe what his word says about the name, that all authority in this earth, in heaven and under this earth, is in, all authority has been given to that name, and he's gave me his name. As I believe in the name of Jesus, as I believe that in the name of Jesus, when I speak something, it comes to pass because it lines up with the word of God. As I choose to believe that, I know I have eternal life, and now I know that I'm a child of God. I know I have eternal life. And now as I choose to grow in my belief in the name of Jesus, confidence will be built in me to the point to where whenever, this is the confidence that I have in him, if I ask anything according to his will, I know he hears me. And if I know he hears me, I already know I have it. This is why in Christ all the promises of God are not yes, no, or maybe. Religion thought that one up. Well, have you ever heard that? Sometimes God says yes, sometimes God says no, and sometimes God says wait. But the problem is that's not in the Bible. The Bible says all the promises of God are yes, are, are in him yes, and in him amen, which means so be it unto me. So all the promises of God are yes for you. Isn't that good news? Hallelujah. So trust what are we talking about here? We're talking, I'm going to be completely dependent upon Jesus. I'm going to put all my trust in the name of Jesus to where I'm completely dependent upon the name and I'm not dependent upon anything else. See, I'm going to start off, what am I saying? I'm going to start off depending on God. I'm not going to depend on God as a last resort because nothing else has worked. Now, I don't want a show of hands, because how many of you have ever been in that spot? Yeah, I've tried everything else, and here's a, here I am. You know what God says? Good, it's about time. Let's go. He's not mad at you, right? He's just like, great, whatever got you here, now let's just go. Let's, let's go to where you're never going back there anymore. Trusting God is based on knowledge, who he is. That's why it says eternal life is knowing God. We must view life from God's perspective. And that's what the word will do. It'll, it'll cause you to see things as they really are. Not as they seem. Because they could seem really scary when they're really defeated. And you're really victorious. What do we do? Look to past victories. Look at what God's done in your past. Look at what the word says and know. God's no respecter of persons. So what he's done for one, he'll do for all. 
You know, as I said earlier, your battle right now, your circumstance has an expiration date. You're coming out because the expiration date has already happened. You've already been given the victory. So you're not going to stay in this. It's not going to defeat you. You're coming out. You've got to know that. So I'm going to close kind of as I'm coming down here. I want to make a few statements about trusting God. And then I want to read a few scriptures. Developing trust in God, what it does is it brings God's empowerment into your life. And what I mean by God's empowerment, I mean it brings the blessing of God into your life. Faith grows as you develop trust in God. My trust in God equips me and empowers me. That's why Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is about a relationship with the living God. I walk with him in my life. I'm one with him. See, trusting God brings continuous victory into your life. I can live my life expecting to be blessed, expecting to increase. Why? Because I trust him. Many say they believe in God, but few trust him. Because few have taken the time to get to know him. And I could tell you this, guys, he's irresistible. But he won't violate your will. He won't push himself on you. But oh, know this, the minute you draw near to him, he's drawn near to you. Because he wants to walk with you in relationship. Many say they're trusting God, but they're just hoping things work out. We don't live like we hope things work out. We think we live in authority to where we command things to work out, right? Because sometimes, you'll, you'll, you, that scripture, Romans 8, 28, well, we know that all things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. And so, you know, I, maybe, maybe, you know, I, I just, God took out this part of my life or he at least allowed it. Maybe he's trying to teach me something. Boy, you didn't study Romans chapter 8 because the person that knows that all things work together for their good is the person who understands that they have the word of God and that they walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. And now for the person who puts the word first and walks in the power of the Holy Spirit, the person who's praying the will of God out, the known will out, the person who's praying in their prayer language, the stuff they don't know, they're still praying the perfect will of God out. These are the people that all things will work together for good. But if you're just living your own life, I'm here to tell you it just won't work out for good. God will try. But he, he can only do what you allow him. But he's saying to everybody, man, come in. Let me be your shield. Let me be your hiding place. Let me be your strength. You can't handle this, right? Sometimes we jump out into something that God is not in, and then we fail. Have you ever done that, right? Don't, don't lift up your hand if you don't want to. I'll just lift up mine. Then what happens, though, when stupidity goes, it, it goes into seed form now, we start to blame God. Well, why didn't this work out? We lose faith, we lose confidence, and we'll even say things like, well, God told me to do it. 
Listen, if it didn't work out, then God didn't tell you to do it. You missed it. I mean, now this is a deep thought that maybe you could be wrong and not God. Right? Wow. So, so we got to be careful about this, what God told me. You know, I know people that are so focused on ministry that they don't even go to church. That they want ministry so bad, but they don't read their Bible. And they wonder why God never talks to them about it. Well, God's not going to talk to you about ministry. He's going to talk to you about reading your Bible, getting to know him. There's not one example where God just sent people out. Nope, he always brought them to himself, deposited in them, and then sent them out. Because why? Well, think about it. You can't give what you don't have. Could you imagine? How would you like to go to a heart surgeon? And right before he puts you under, he's like, hey, you know, hey, you know what? Um, I'm going to do my best today. I've, I've never actually done this. But uh, you'd be like, what? Get, get me out of here, right? Right? You go to a dietitian, and in walks a 450-pound overweight person. And, you know, and they're eating a Twinkie. And they're like, you know, I'm going to do my best to really help you. Now, I've never studied about nutrition. Right? Now, at about 60 pounds, I will not be able to use that story anymore. Right? <laughs> so. No, 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 no. No, we, let's, let's stop playing church. Give yourself a break. Other people don't think of you that much. Why? Because most of them are, we're up to here with us. But I got to tell you, in a healthy church like this, do you ever notice, I hear stories all the time, of how people are hooking up, people are praying for each other, people are, because we all understand, listen, we're all a work in progress. We're all, we could all mess up. As a matter of fact, probably all of us will mess up. Ooh, what a faith person you are. Listen, don't worry about that. You keep your eyes on Jesus, you keep speaking the word, and all of a sudden you won't mess up as much. Pretty soon you won't mess up at all. And then you'll really be humble because you'll know that everything that you are is only by his grace. Then pretty soon you, people will come and go, man, what in the world is going on in your life? You're, you're increasing in every way and you just look at him and go, it's him. It's him. I'm along for the ride. I'm just walking out every desire in my heart. This is so important. We need to look at ourselves instead of blaming God. Sometimes faith and believing Here's another one in our, for our camp. Sometimes faith and believing can become mechanical. Have you ever had God? I remember, I remember when the Lord came to me and goes, why don't you stop micromanaging your faith? And I'm like, oh. Because it wasn't faith. Okay, I got to confess this over, uh, you know, I have two kidneys, so Father, I just believe that my left kidney will work right and my right kidney. And, and, and let me get on the internet and study for 25 hours about the pancreas. And so that Father and I, no, stop micromanaging. Right? It, it, it's already yours. The blessings are already yours. Instead, focus on knowing him. And let him just work it all out. He'll lead you in everything. 
Sometimes faith and believing can become mechanical and lose life. They lose freshness. You see somebody. They look so serious. I'm just, I'm just believing God. They talk different. I'm just believing God. <laughs> relax, okay? Just relax because he loves you. He knows right where you are. He knows maybe if you're not seeing something right now, don't worry about that. He'll get it over to you. Just make sure you stay in a position where you're like, okay, Father, I just I need you to move in my life. I, you know, I don't even really know. I've got so much stuff going on in my life right now. But I know this. I know you're good. I know that when I draw near to you, you draw near to me. I know your word is true. So I yield myself. I'm willing and obedient. I've never been willing and obedient, but I am now. Help me. That's how we live as Christians. That's the road to great faith. We must have an ongoing revelation from God's word. It enables us to see things. Amen? You come to have faith and you come to trust God in circumstances as you walk in fellowship with him. So if you leave with nothing else today, I want to encourage you to take all your care, take anything going on in your life that is not of him, and give it to him. And then just spend time with him. Trust him. Let, let go of it and trust him to take care of it. Take the pressure and stress off yourself. Put the pressure and stress on him because he can handle it. Amen? As you get to know him, you'll trust him. As you trust him, you'll be able to partake of more of what he's already given you. Amen?